Welcome to Fringe Division. Degrees. Hello and welcome to Fringe Division, the spoiler-free rewatch podcast of the hit TV show Fringe. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Martin. Today we are discussing Season 2, Episode 5, Dream Logic. It aired on October the 15th, 2009, written by Josh Singer and directed by Paul Edwards. Okay, so let's just get into this then, Martin. What did you think of this episode of Fringe? It was certainly an episode of Fringe. Yes. Thank you um, for listening and goodbye. <laughs> That's a running gag with us. Mm. Yeah, it certainly was an episode of Fringe. Uh, although you, if you were just like sort of flipping over channels, you'd be mistaken in thinking it was another episode of the X Files. Ah, oh, I bet that's a gag we can make in uh, <laughs> other episodes as well. Well. We did mention it a few episodes back with the one with the the demon who's also like the demon from um, Buffy who eats people's flesh by paralysing them. And now we're shooting in Vancouver. Our remit for the Boston uh, Department of the FBI suddenly takes us to Seattle. Yes. Yes. Although in a couple episodes, I believe we're in New York again. Hooray. Um, I I looked ahead. Spoilers! Oh no! Um, Yeah, this... Dream Logic isn't it isn't a great episode of Fringe, but it is not without merit. I like how they're kicking around all the weird ideas they can do for episodes, and they just went with, uh, your hair dye stops working. What? Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, and your hair just goes white, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what happened, Martin. No, I watched the um, episode. He had white hair. He didn't yeah. want white hair, and that was the problem. Also, he yeah. was dead. Well, that's that's a bigger problem, isn't it? Mm. I would rather, you know, have grey hair than be dead, Martin. I'd rather have grey hair than be bald, but there we fucking are. I have grey hair and you're bald. So, you know, it's the best of both worlds, you know? So, I have grey temples... I am greying. I'm getting old. Unlike the bloody idiots that do watching the Pattern podcast who both have luscious long locks. I know. Bastards. Well, we're assuming so. I don't know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we've like, somehow got a feud with a podcast <laughs> we've never listened to. And they've never and heard of us. And they've never heard of us, and we've uh, and we've never communicated with them in any way, shape, or form. But I wish them all the best. Oh, we're taking you down. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be the best fringe podcast. We've got six listeners. How many have you got? <laughs> we're going to be the best podcast about a ten-year-old show we have a vague passing interest in. Yay! We should have done Quantum Leap. Bloody should have done. 
do, You know what, Jimmy? Well, I've had some time off, and I was a bit bored, and I was like, what should I watch? And I nearly put on an episode of Quantum Leap. But then I watched Babylon 5. Babylon 5's a big pile of shit. I haven't watched Quantum Leap in ages. I'm going to have to watch it again. You should. And then we could do a podcast about it. <laughs> well, it's that or Red Dwarf. I really do want to do one on Red Dwarf as well. Well, they've both got holograms. Yeah, true. And time travel. And, yeah. Ken- and the Kennedy assassination. Yes, exactly. Although the... Even though it's not great, the Red Dwarf episodes of the Kennedy assassination is better than the Quantum Leap one. Um, yeah, but if we do a Red Dwarf podcast, we're going to have to rope in Owen because he's from Liverpool and we have to. We need a scouser. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and we could get Testo stroke Zarban, um, the world's number one Prince George fan. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and he can... Um, you <laughs> can be a resident American. Uh, because for some reason, one character has got a Canadian accent and the other one's got a, an American accent and they're all English. Anyway, this episode of Fringe. Yeah, it's all right. So let's let's get into the plot. I always thought it was a shame that Sam Beckett could only travel within his own lifetime and they never explained why in the titles and I'd never seen the pilot at that point so I didn't really um, appreciate why. Right. It's because the time machine is um, Could only go to affordable periods. No. No, no, no. It's connected to his brain so it can only go within his lifetime of when his brain started basically. I can't actually. I have seen the pilot like Mm-hmm. In the last couple of years, but I can't really remember it that well. But you don't... Do you see the future in the pilot, or does it just start with him having quantum leapt? It starts in the future. We see him leaping for the first time. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and we see the future a few times. And there's a, one time where he actually does leap outside of his lifetime. And that's in season five, when the show was losing steam and they just shoved everything at it. Because season five, he's also a fucking vampire. So they just throw everything at the wall to see what sticks in season five. But yeah, the the future is in it occasionally. I just remember, doesn't the pilot end with him leaping to the next episode into a boxing match? Um, oh, can't remember. I think so. Um, The Right Hand of God is the name of that episode, but I can't remember if that's... The that sounds like a not. boxing metaphor. Yeah. Um, no, he, he leaps twice in the pilot. Three times, technically, in the pilot. Once, twice, three times a leaper. Yes. he. <laughs> it's not a leper. Um, he leaps into the pilot, which, you know, it's, it's the pilot episode, so he leaps into a pilot. Um, and then he leaps into a baseball player, and then he leaps again into the next episode. You know, he, he does it a couple of times. It's not just the one person he's in. Which is good because it does sort of show you the, the um what the the series is about, you know, the premise more if he does it a couple of times in the pilot. I thought my wife would really like it, um, because it's pretty gentle. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, you know, Babylon Five, which is just like sci fi with a capital Sci. Um and Babylon Five's a big pile of shit. And then she was just like Quantum Leap is rubbish. But she's wrong. Yeah. 
Um, so we're going to have to step into the quantum leap accelerator to uh, yeah. possess someone's body to convince her to give quantum leap another go. I'm sorry, Laura, but you're wrong. Quantum leap is great. Although if she only watched like some of season one, then I, I do understand that. It doesn't really pick up until season two. Season one's only got like a half a dozen episodes or something, and they just had no idea. <laughs> um, but it picks up season two, and season two is actually quite good. Season two is one of the best ones, I think. Actually, I'd, I'd say. Um, anyway, we're not talking about Quantum Leap, not yet. Anyway, I know because I do want to get this done and uh, get on with my evening. But also, I, I, I really don't have much to say other than, oh, these were pretty forgettable episodes. Let's. Uh, yeah. I'm going to watch. Um, Jungle Cruise later. I'm really excited about it because it looks pulpy, and I'm sure it's going to be shit. But I, I haven't looked forward to a film in a very long time. It feels like. Um, I see. I don't look forward to films anymore. I know, but you're old and jaded. Yes. Um. I am. Thanks for that. <laughs> no, I know, but I can't. I just can't bring myself to do it anymore. I can't be like, "Yay, that sounds so good! I'm going to watch that," because you know. It, it, Films are shit these days, Martin. Not all, but a lot of them are. I watched quite a good film the other week. It was about a liner print. It was about a what? It was a documentary about how they used to make newspapers before computers. Right, okay. What was it called? Uh, Lino print. Oh, was that what it was called? Yeah, um, go, go, gadget, IMDB. It's, it's, it's not about Thundercats, is it? No. Lino print. Ha 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 ha! Lion all! Ha ha! Get it? Ha ha! Let's do a Thundercats podcast. Um. Oh, sorry. Linotype colon the film. Okay. <laughs> the movie! Um. Yeah, okay. I, I should just check. You're not one of those uh, angry people flipping out over Kevin Smith's He Man, are you? No, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I do understand it. I'm not upset because it's a sequel. Um, and sequels do have to advance the story. And it's better because the original didn't really have a story. It was more like beat up the bad guy. All I know about the original was mm-hmm. it was designed to sell toys. And mm-hmm. the baddie lived in a giant sculpture of his own face. Which, oh, for that kind of confidence... That's not true. Castle Grayskull isn't where Skeletor lives. Skeletor lives in Snake Mountain. Castle Grayskull is where the sorceress lives. So, what, she just really likes his face? Skeletor didn't always have a skeleton face. His his face was melted off. Oh, what shall we call our perfectly normal baby? I know, Skeletor. I know, it's very strange. It was uh, He-Man's dad um, burned his face off. That's a pretty legit grievance. Um, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, Prince Adam's dad, not He-Man's dad. So, yeah, I can understand why people are crying about it, but it's good that they're progressing the, the story because there are some things in the original that didn't really go anywhere. There was, like, plot points that would pop up, but then they just kept making them you know, making a different episode every week and they would forget about the plot point. Like, Tila, who is a man-at-arms' daughter, but she's adopted, and there's always been, like, hints of who her real parents were. Well, her real mother, anyway. 
Um, and that was never answered in the original, but it's picked up in this one. And people are just sort of angry because Taylor is getting a lot of attention. So I think people who are angry at the new one are just sexist man babies. And also, Taylor and this new one's voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Hooray! Yay! She's getting some work. As is Anna Torv, who's just been cast in that thing we talked about. Yeah, The Last of Us TV series, which is based on the, the game The Last of Us. And if you're listening to this in the future, Anna Torf was in the long-cancelled TV series The Last of Us. Do, do you think it's going to get cancelled? Or, like, eventually. Well, oh, well, eventually, yeah. It depends how far in the future you mean, Martin. I was being non-specific to, uh, you know, just generally future-proof the recording. Right. In Seattle, a man named Greg Leiter... Is it Leiter or Leiter? Leader, isn't it? Well, yeah. It sounds like they say Leader... But it's got a T in this. Who cares? Hallucinates that his boss and co-workers are demons, leading Greg to attack and murder the boss. The boss? Oh no, he killed Bruce Springsteen. Greg is hospitalised and falls asleep for 16 hours when Olivia and Peter interview him at the hospital. He tells them his boss was a demon out of a bad dream before suffering a seizure and having his hair turn white. And that's that's the end of the episode. Um, Kirk Acevedo, who played Charlie, his name's still in the opening credits in this episode, Mark. The last time. Yep, it is actually for the last time. And we're not going. We haven't spoken about it yet because we're just. In, but the the big at the end of this synopsis, they actually talk about this. But I'm going to talk about it just now because it's at the start of the episode. But Sam Weiss says to um Sam Weiss says to. No, was it Samwise? Aye, Samwise. Blech. Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> oh, Mr. Frodo, I'll carry you. Samwise says um, to Olivia, you and your partner Charlie were close, weren't you? Uh, not really, apart from the start of the season and then he died. But hey-ho. Walter posits that Greg died from acute exhaustion. However, believing Seattle to be like the mental institution... Okay, Walter desires to go home to Boston and run tests on the corpse from there. The The guy playing Greg isn't really good at pretending to be dead. No. Because his eye flutters and then um, you can see his heart beating. Although that's not his fault. That's more of a directing thing. Um, you know, they shouldn't have had the camera too close to his body. But... I liked uh, Olivia collecting business cards. I thought that was a nice little misdirect. Yeah. Why is that a misdirect? Because you think it's going to be important for the plot and then it's a character <laughs> building exercise. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Walter says it reminds me of St. Clair's, the mental institution where I lived. Yeah, he knows Walter. Yeah, but it's season two and they want people to tune in. I know. It's I like... Know, but uh, I an... hate it, Martin. I hate it. We know this information. There's an episode of Angel where Angel jumps up uh, like a really high thingy and <laughs> someone just turns around to someone else and just goes, vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's time for Jimmy's subtitle corner. Jimmy's subtitle corner. Um, when Peter says to Olivia, so you think you'll be all right, Walter makes a noise. He just goes, right? Um, but the subtitles uh, say, who are you? What are you doing with my bag? Because he's talking to the agent who has his bag. Yes. 
he doesn't say that. He just goes, hmm. Um, but it's funnier not having that line in because Walter, Walter just points to the agent with his lollipop and that's funnier than him saying anything. Hmm. This has been Jimmy's subtitle corner. There'll be another one later. Woo! I find it quite funny if you listen to TV shows with headphones on sometimes and you can mm-hmm. actually make out the walla that you're not really supposed to hear. Um, right. And, uh, you know, when they record voiceover, but mm. not, but like just for background noise. If you watch like Deep Space Nine when they're in Quark's bar, you can just hear people be like, hey, can I get a drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's the sort of stuff that just sort of gets lost in your TV sort of background, but. Yeah, because they weren't really designed for you to, yeah, watch them with headphones on. They were just for like normal TVs. At the time, uh, and some of them were some of them were stereo, but it wasn't like every single show was stereo. Anyway, anyway, Olivia and Peter learned Greg was being treated for a sleep disorder, and that his dreams had involved demons until they stopped several months ago. Another hallucinating victim turns up in Seattle and dies. <laughs> I want to meet the person who writes these Wikipedia entries. That's the one, and that's the the chef, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, she stabs a man mm. and then dies. But not in Reno. Just to watch him die. That was that was gross. Yeah, I looked away at that bit. Just seeing all the hands not burning in the mm. the grill. Right, where was I? The French team discover The French team discovered that both victims had a brain computer interface chip attached to their thalamus, as one does. Mm. The part of the brain controlling dreams. Um, so we have, Martin, mm-hmm. another Jimmy subtitle corner here. I'm not doing the theme again. I've forgotten it already. That's okay. Oh, they're coming to get you, Martin. Yeah. Walter takes a microchip out of the dude's brain and the subtitles say a filament. It's a microchip with a tiny filament, which is Mar- eh, Martin. <laughs> Martin doesn't say it, um, which Walter doesn't say. But, you know, so there you go. Maybe he did at some point. Who knows? Who knows? Broyles and Nina reveal new information leading to the sleep researcher Dr. Nayak, Nayak um, who implanted the chips. So, we we see um, Nina Sharp very briefly in this, right? Gotta get your Blair Brown in. Yeah, and there's a weird sort of Dutch angle in Nina's office. I didn't like that. It was really strange. Oh. Anyway, um... The the scene between Broyles and Nina was quite odd. They've had odder. No, I know. But it's odd in the, the respect that this doesn't seem like the two people who were kissing in the season premiere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This was this was just a scene that was just put in there to give Blair Brown a scene to probably just for her contract, mm-hmm. to obligate her contract that she's only going to be in a certain amount of episodes, so they just shoved a scene in here. Because she's not actually needed in this episode at all. No. She's just exposition, and they could have learned that from anyone. They could have learned it over the phone. She could have called Broyles off screen, and Broyles would have told the, le- the rest of them. So that scene was unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. Nice that she was being helpful now, rather than the sort of season one push-pull off, is she nice or is she evil? It's Nina. Mm-hmm. 
Sorry, I'm being far too musical this this time. Olivia and Peter first suspect Dr. Nyack's research assistant, assistant, Zach, but find him dead. Back in Boston, Walter believes the chips lead to mind control and tests this on the FBI agent assigned to him while Peter and Olivia are away. Oh, Walter. Walter is a bastard. He is a dick. This is sort of bad water coming back. Yes. Yeah. He ultimately doesn't, like, open up his brain and finds a different way of doing it, which is fine. But the fact that he was going to... Yeah. <laughs> it's like Walter just goes to do these really awful things and in his mind he can obviously just hear it sort of going, womp, womp. Oh, yeah. See, when we go to Dr. Nyack's office... Um, I know you're not a, a huge fan of the floating signs, but I quite liked the way they did it in, in this episode, where they go to the sleep clinic, and it just says, Nyack Sleep Clinic, and it's just sort of like floating next to the stairs, and they walk up past it on the stairs, and it's it's not intrusive. Yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, it's not even in the... the it's in the, like, the background mm. for us, and yeah, I liked that. That was, um, that was a good use of that. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that less is more, and they roll back on it much, yeah, uh, much more once we get out of season one. Um, yeah. But like the pilot, it's like they're in every shot almost, and it's like ah, that's so garish. I know, I know. And then sometimes they go through the letters and stuff like that. But this one was just like there, and there was no music or anything. It was you know mm. you could blink and miss it. So yeah. However, during these tests, Walter soon changes his theory. The dreams are being stolen from their hosts to cause a high in Dr. Nyack, who is receiving them and has two personalities. I f- forgot all about this episode, right? Yeah. You lucky thing. Yeah. This felt as though I was watching this episode for the very first time, right? Mm. So the twist that it was actually Dr. Nyack, but he wasn't just being evil and pretending that he did have two personalities... I was kind of shocked by that. It was like, oh, fuck, really? Because um, it's better doing that than, oh, he was just pretending to be evil, but he's evil all along. Yeah. It was Agatha all along. That's a different program. Yeah. Um, but she's there. She's lingering about, like the observer in the background. Um, yeah, so I liked that. Peter and Olivia shut down the dream equipment before Nyack kills another victim. But the doctor dies in the process. Right. So let's talk about this final thing here where he... They they save this guy, this pilot, right? Yeah. So the people in the seaplane are never going to forgive that pilot who's going to lose his job, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the same as that episode where the woman killed her husband but it wasn't her fault. But she's going to live with the fact that she killed her husband and probably going to jail. Probably going to prison. This guy is going to lose his job for something that wasn't his fault. Mm. But they're not going to believe he was mind-controlled. That that sort of thing just annoys me. It's like, yep, yeah, there we go. We wrapped up that plot. Yeah. And then that poor pilot is losing his livelihood. Mm. And all his friends, probably. Even though, it, you know, it's only a TV show. The final scene shows Peter dreaming about his childhood when... <laughs> Have we actually established that yet? 
<laughs> no, we have not. No. I'll read that again in that, that line. Um, the final scene shows Peter dreaming about his childhood and Peter wakes up confused but still unaware of what... Well, I can't say that. You read, are you reading this, Martin? Uh, yeah. That's very spoilerific. Yeah. Right. The final scene shows Peter dreaming about his childhood and we have another... Uh, we have another um, hint at Jimmy's... what's to come. Yes, but we've also got another Jimmy subtitle corner <laughs> because young Peter says, "Dad, what's wrong?" But the um, no, sorry, I'm talking bollocks. Um, young Peter says, "Dad, what's wrong?" But the subtitles add, "Are you okay?" But he doesn't say that. But "Are you okay?" might have been a bit better. That might have added more to the mystery of wait a minute, what's happening there? Um. I've got a lot of editing to do. <laughs> right. In a side plot, Olivia is grieving for her partner Charlie, whom she discovered in the previous episode is murdered by a shapeshifter. Sam Weiss helps her work through it by giving her a project that requires her to collect business cards from people wearing the colour red. She is told to grab random letters from the names that once unscrambled red, you're going to be fine. Um, this is something that Charlie said to her when she was a rookie to regain her confidence with handling a gun. So, there you go. Also, she goes to visit Charlie's grave. Now, Martin, what is in Charlie's grave? What did they bury in Charlie's grave? Well, not the shapeshifter, because that wasn't Charlie. And no. not Charlie, because he went in that wood chipper. No, he didn't. He didn't get wood chipped. Oh. He got cremated. <laughs> So Charlie's body is no more. It, it burned. Well, yeah, we see we see the shapeshifters getting rid of it. So yeah, exactly. But it wasn't a wood chipper. It was a furnace. So what are they buried in there? Uh, if it was a wood chipper, then at least it would have been a pile of mush to bury. You know, they probably just put like a uh, cardboard cutout, life size photo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that would actually be funny. Well, uh, production probably came down and was like, guys, I don't think we're going to need these uh, Charlie action figures anymore. (laughs) Oh, just bury them. Right, so I've got a couple of notes here, Martin, that I wrote and we couldn't go through. Right. Yeah. One, Dunham really should have seen that it was broils on the phone. Yeah. I hate it when people in TV shows and movies are talking to someone on the phone, they hang up and the phone rings and they go... I just said to you, blah, blah, blah. And it's obviously not them. And they should look to see who it is first. Yeah. Um, note number two. Is it really that easy to, like, shoulder push a door open? Do you think Olivia has broils on her phone just as broils? Or do you reckon she has him down with a nickname, like Boss Dad or something? Boss Daddy. Um, or or Philip. Maybe it's oh. Philip. Or best voice on telephones. Yeah. Best voice, baldy man. Um, right. Is it really that easy to shoulder push open a door? Yes. A locked door? I don't think it is, man. Like, because Peter just, like, does it with minimal effort. It's the same as, like, kicking a door open. I feel like it would take longer and the media is lying to us. Yeah, but Peter has street smarts. <laughs> That's his point on the show. Yeah, okay, well. Um, so, Martin, do you have any facts for us. Oh man, do I? I don't know, that's why I asked you. When Dr. Nyack's patients are gathered at the hospital to have their chips removed, uh, Denham's talking to a nurse about contacting the pharmacist. The observer can be seen descending a flight of stairs in the background. 
I did not see him. And you are still insisting in calling her denim. That's commitment, Martin. Right, any more? Not now. <laughs> Come on. Um, the guy that played Steve was on the X-Files. Everyone from the X-Files is in this. It's like, they may as well just call this X-Files 2, Science Boogaloo. Oh no, um, X-Files 2 was uh, X-Filia, or... Uh... The truth is still out there. It had um, bloody... What's his name in? Um, that Scottish fella as a priest or something. It wasn't very good. But that wasn't an X-Files sequel. Yeah, it was. It was called The X-Files. So, well, that was a movie. Yeah, The X-Files 2. <laughs> it wasn't called The X-Files 2, though. 2X2 two two Files. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Billy Connolly. Yeah. I know his name. I, yeah. I knew his name, too. And he played a paedophile priest, which all actors want to play at some point in their life, eh? Apparently. Right. Any more? Um, when we see Peter having a dream near the end of this episode, a poster on the wall of the Challenger mission... That's not how grammar works. Um, when we see young Peter having a bad dream, there's a poster for the Space Shuttle Challenger stating mm-hmm. it's Mission 11. Uh, the last Challenger mission was uh, Mission 10. Mm-hmm. Is that in, that's not in goofs, is it? No. No, good. Because, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Anyway, um, so what do the, the glyphs spell in this episode? Betray. <gasps> dun, dun. Dun. That was very Spike Milligan. Oh, thanks. Um, That man was a comedy genius, so I'll accept it. Uh, right, so the next episode, Martin, is called Earthling. Yes. The synopsis for the next episode, which is called Earthling, uh, the fringe division is flummoxed by a case where victims are inexplicably disintegrated into ash. From the evil dead? Yeah, 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 yeah. Special guest star Bruce Campbell. Groovy. Right, so... That's all we have time for. Um, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at DropThePilotPod. ShiftyBench.co.uk is the website. Oh, by the way, we're no longer doing Walter Line of the Week. <laughs> um, contact at ShiftyBench.co.uk is where you can send us emails. My Walter Line of the Week is, I promise not to experiment on any students. Wink. Wink. Womp womp. Where can people follow you on the interwebs, Martin? I thought you were going to say on the Enterprise. I'm like, no, <laughs> that'd be great. That would be great. Um, at the Faldo on Twitter. Excellent. Thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Beam me up. <laughs> <laughs>